Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast here at the practice facility at Sleep Train Arena with big man Costa Kufus. What's going on, Costa? Much. You know, we had a good practice today. Uh, we got two games coming up with New Orleans and Utah that are must wins for us. And, uh, we feel very confident. We feel like we're progressing defensively, and uh, we're going to keep at it. You've had enough time to get your feet on the ground here in Sacramento. You know, What do you think so far of your adventure in Sacramento as far as the community and the way that the fans have reacted to you and well, the way you've been accepted? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful city. You know, The fans here have, have been above and beyond with the support of the Kings. And uh, you know, even going out, you know, like even to the grocery store, you know, everybody shows a lot of love. And you know, it's, as a player, you know, that's makes you put a smile on your face. And, uh, you know, they're very passionate, and that's why we're trying to, trying to get in the playoff spot. It's been a long time since this team has had a playoff spot. You've been in the playoffs plenty of times in your career. Is this team moving in the right direction? Do you see an outline of a playoff team? Uh, definitely. We, we, there's a lot of season left. You know, we have a great foundation. We have a good mix of players, you know, from, from, the, from scorers, the post-up players, defenders, and so forth. And, uh, you know, once we put all those pieces of the puzzle, you know, we're, we'll, we'll start clicking. What has to click here for this team to like take that next jump? You got a, a four-game stretch here of maybe three or four winnable games. You've got you know a, the schedule lightens up a little bit as we move through February and into March. What is it that you see that you have to see for this team to click and start showing massive improvement? I think uh, just knowing knowing our defensive schemes. You know, one one to fifteen. You know, everybody's doing a better job and. Uh, you know, whether your big goes out on the screen, we know the guard's going to get back and be back to, to the guard and so forth. And, uh, you know, a little bit of communication and so forth. But we're, we are improving with that. And uh, like I said many times, again, our defense does translate to our offense. And uh, that's what we're doing. Where are you at personally? Do you think your game is evolving within this system? Do you feel like you found your niche or are you still searching for it? You know, for me, it's one of those things that, you know, whether it's, it's starting or coming off the bench, you know, playing 30 minutes or, or 30 seconds, you know, it's just going to play hard and, and play within myself. And, uh, you know, I've shown the NBA that I could start and, and play a lot of minutes and contribute a lot, you know, but, you know, whatever coach puts me in, you know, just doing the dirty work, setting screens, defending the rim, and when the uh, opportunity to score, score. You started close to 80 games, I think, when George Carl won 57 games in Denver. Where is this team versus that team, and how do you see it shaping? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I feel like you know this team is is a lot more talented than the Nuggets team. Um, you know, with the uh, the Nuggets team, you know, we had a good mix of players, but you know, with this team, you know, we have Demarcus Cousins and Rudy Gay and Rondo and so forth, and we have a lot of superstar talent. And that's what's so unique about our team. You know, anybody can step out on any given night. How do you convert that talent into something like what you had in Denver where you guys were money almost every night? <laughs> uh, I feel like, you know, we need just a little bit of patience and just, you know, just, just going through the grind. You know, we understand that you know, the schedule is going to lighten up, but we can't, we, can't, we can't let loose of the gas pedal right now. We, uh, 
we know this is a crucial couple months coming up, and uh, we're right there in the playoff spot. We just have to keep on fighting through it. All right, so I get to see you off off the mic all the time, and you're actually really funny. When you're you're a funny guy who loves movies, who loves to. Yeah. What is it that the personality that you bring to this team? Not so much as a basketball player, but as as a person and as a locker room presence. Oh, just just positivity. You know, I feel like you know all the guys are very positive in general. We got a lot of guys with a sense of humor. It's, it's, you know, it's never a dull moment here. So, uh, but uh, you know, for, for for in general, just being positive in life in general, you know, leads to success. And I, I've always believed in that growing up. You know, my mother raised me right. You know, and uh, you know, just I've I was a firm believer of just you know what you put in the world is what you receive. You're always good for a one-liner. You're a movie line guy, right? For sure, all the time. What's the favorite movie? What is it that you? Uh, I know you watch a ton of movies. I I've heard you like. You know, it's six got, degrees, Kevin Bacon. Oh, it's got to be in the spur of the moment right now. You know, if I put on the spot, then I'll, I'll, I won't say anything. I'll just be daring headlights. But, um, you know, my favorite movie, you talking about favorite movie, is probably Billy Madison. I love Billy Madison. So that's probably my all-time favorite. Okay, that makes sense. So if you were to, like, look at Duye over there and say, you could come up with a one-liner for Duye right now. I don't know right now. Now you put me on the spot. We're talking about <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't. I can't think of anything right now. I can't think of anything right now. See, I told you, you put me on the spot, I won't be able to do it. All right, all right. So, countdown to uh, to the midway point in the season. Are you guys a playoff team? Yes, we're a playoff team. You know, I, I think the community believes in it, too. You know, we have people coming up to me saying, you know, we're right there, we'll, we'll get it, stuff like that. And uh, we believe it every day we come in. You know, we know what we need to do and what we need to work on. And, uh, you know, progressively, surely, slowly but surely, we are improving every day. How do you avoid the pitfalls that have hit this team again and again, this this two steps forward, three steps back? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's part of the grind. You know, that's a part of being an NBA player and knowing, being professional, of, you know, whatever negativity happens, you just have to keep overcoming it and, and just, just go on to the next day, turn the page and move on. All right, is, this, is Sacramento everything you thought it would be when you locked up that big deal? Uh, definitely, you know, it's... Uh, Definitely peaceful city, up and coming. You know, definitely going to be awesome to have the arena downtown. It's going to help help the economy there too as well. And uh, you know, fans are great. You know, everything is, is is low key, but you know, there's a lot of things to do. All right, that's Costa Kufas, Sacramento Kings. Kings big man. Go Kings! Yeah. Welcome back to the Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me as always, Mr. Aaron Bruski, NBC Sports. AB Kings win. It's a win. Win Mal- is a Ma- win is a win. Michael Malone once said, "There's no such thing as a bad win." So we'll, we'll go with that. And Al Davis once said, "Just win, baby." It is about the win. They needed that <laughs> win. It was a huge shot by Rudy Gay. Probably not talked about enough on Twitter after the fact. I think Tony. Ex- ex- my, Tony, how do we pronounce your last name? Harris from Sacktown Royalty had uh, the comment that this was a huge shot. It was a huge shot. They lose that game, and it's like this every week. They lose that game, and you just wonder what the fallout will be. I I totally agree. If they lost that game after a three-day break, and they had plenty of time to rest up and get ready, they're 100% healthy. If they lost that game, I, I think bad things would have happened. Yeah, yeah, and and there's not a lot. Of, I mean, Demarcus, I think, had the right attitude after the game because he was very upset. I don't think anybody should think this is a good win. I mean, that was a really hard to watch game. 
The Utah Jazz played about as bad as a basketball team could play. Yep. And the Kings looked terrible. Both sides of the, I looked down and they made 54% of their shots right around the third quarter. And I was, I was just like, how did they do that? That, that looked so awful, yet they did make 54% of their shots heading into the fourth. But it's just the same undisciplined stuff. Uh, defensively, <clears throat> I don't know if Rajon Rondo's hurt, but um, I mean, he's got, he's got the full back treatment during every timeout. So it's possible he's hurt, but he's looked really bad on that end. So it's been just kind of a, a comedy of errors. There was some bright spots, though. Willie Cauley-Stein was great. Um, DeMarcus was good. So there was some bright spots, but still just kind of a ugh, performance. I think you are like the uh, the guy like sitting on the 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 front stoop of the bandwagon for the Willie Cauley-Stein like minutes played, right? Me and Talk Hoops. Talk the, Hoops the, is right there with me. Yeah, the bandwagon. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I like what Willie's bringing. Uh, I like the energy. I like the defensive presence here and there. Um, I like that he's slipping through and getting dunks and he's being more aggressive on the offensive end. I got to be honest, though. I think the Kings were at their best with Omri Caspi in the starting lineup. I'm confused why George Carl didn't come back to Caspi after their really nice run with Caspi and Gay on the front line with, with Cousins. And then, you know, of course, they go to Quincy. And, you know, here, I, I didn't even notice this. Quincy AC didn't even play tonight after after starting the night before. And so I, they, I just prefer just the need, Caspi lineup. They, they need energy guys. And and Caspi's an energy guy. And maybe his, you know, neck thing is playing a role here. I don't know. Because he, he also was kind of quiet tonight. Um, but they need energy guys. They, they need guys to make plays defensively. Um you know, you looked at a list of the top or the probably the worst 30 defenders in the league based on defensive rating and, you know, playing more than just a few minutes a game. So like 600 minutes over the course of the season, you had like Marco Bellinelli at two. I think Darren Collison was at nine. I think um, Rajon Rondo was on the, the, the whole, basically the entire list comprised of like all Kings and Nick Stauskas. <laughs> It was bad. That's so you good. need you need defensive guys on the floor. Willie Cauley Stein's a game changer in that regard. I, I really just think they gotta let that kid loose and, and see what happens. But I guess we'll have to, to agree to disagree on that, at least for the time being. All right. So let's get organized here and let's start running through our topics here. We we have plenty of things to come up with to uh to run through. Um we can start with the the win in Utah. Um uh, but I think in order to start with a win in Utah, we kind of have to look at what happened earlier in the day, and that is Sheridan Hoops, good old Sheridan Hoops, uh, running out a, a Rudy Gay trade rumor piece today. I know what my folks inside have, have said. Have you heard anything on the Rudy Gay potential, even the Rudy Gay, Ryan Anderson, like proposed trade that was shot down by the Pelicans? Yeah, well, I heard that... Uh, Rudy Gay is definitely on the market, and I've, I've, and these are good sources, so I believe them. And um, I, I heard that there, there is no deal with the Pelicans, so um, not quite sure if that meant people were sniffing around and there could have been a deal, but there is no deal, um, and, and it doesn't sound like a deal was ever close. So no, I, I mean that's not what I've heard either. I, so yeah, I, I mean basically what I heard is that. The Kings aren't actively shopping Rudy Gay, but the Kings are aggressively searching out ways to improve their team. If that includes Rudy Gay or 
just about anyone else on this roster, then it will go that way. Uh, but they are not actively shopping Rudy Gay, and I, I know a lot of the ownership group absolutely loves Rudy Gay, and a win like tonight really helps Rudy Gay's stock here in Sacramento. He he did score not only the game winner, but he also scored the final eight points of the game for Sacramento um, on a myriad of shots. He had a, a three-pointer, a tip-in, the follow-away jumper, a free throw, uh, he played huge, huge, huge down the stretch. He is friends with DeMarcus Cousins. He is friends with Rondo. But all of that considered, I, I do think that if there was a, a deal that made this team better and the, the Kings knew they were getting better, they might they might listen. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of get – the story I've gotten on Rudy Gay is that he's been more or less available all year and most available of the big pieces that the Kings have. And so that will be that will be something that, that you'll probably hear a lot about as we approach the trade deadline, because even if they don't end up dealing him, he's just a big name on a good contract. There'll be a lot of talk locally about whether or not the Kings should do a deal with Rudy Gay and all sorts of trade scenarios. Like Sheridan Hoops' report was basically just kind of throwing mud against the wall with yeah. that yeah. On, on the New Orleans side. So you'll get a lot of that, and and really it's an interesting discussion because you do have a piece in Ben McElmore that teams might want to sniff around, see if they might be buying low on a guy that's really just been kind of twisting in the wind with the Kings system or lack thereof. Um, and it's just it, it, we're getting to that time of the year where it's you got a, a salary cap jump upcoming. A lot of teams, I think, are going to be aggressive, and nobody knows where the middle of the pack in the playoff race really starts and stops. So you, you don't know who your buyers and sellers are just yet. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's, it is a muddied look like, like what you said. Now, as far as Ryan Anderson goes, this is something that I was told. I, I was told that the Kings do really like Ryan Anderson and that he could potentially be a target this summer because they know that he is a Sacramento kid he fits a major need as a as a perimeter a perimeter shooting for uh, again I think with Caspi's emergence it's made the three maybe not as important as as it once was you know as far as Rudy Gay goes so if you had Ryan Anderson you could slide him into the four uh, bring Cauley Stein off the bench and and have Omri Caspi step into the three right away in a swap like that now i i think what i mean again what i was kind of told today was that why would you chase ryan anderson when you have no guarantee that you can lock him up the hope is that you would be able to lock him up because he wants to play in sacramento uh but why would you do it and give up a big time asset if you don't have to when this summer the kings do have upwards of like 33 million dollars in cap space uh, and you know, plenty of room to fit someone in like Anderson. So, I think this is an interesting idea, and I, I think it might be one of those deals where somebody put out what they thought was sort of like the high low, like right in the middle, what they think Anderson is worth, and go from there type deal. But uh, yeah, it's it's an intriguing deal, and for Rudy Gay to come out and respond like he did. I, I was pretty happy for him because I know he is frustrated that his role has has changed and that people are viewing him as sort of a failure this season when realistically 
he sees it more as like he's trying to adjust to a completely different new roster and new pieces all over the place. Yeah, and that's the I mean this is the story of the Kings and there was a great interview from Basketball Breakdown coach Nick who you've you've been on with Nick and uh he's a good guy and a great analyst. He um had Vince Wahlberg on his Vance um, yeah Vance from yep. Vince listen to me it's late. Um Vance on his uh his on a, in an interview mm-hmm. and he asked a, a number of questions but then the question that came up was do you think that Cousins is better on the post or on the perimeter and Wahlberg looked at him with a straight face and said the perimeter and 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 that that was a huge tell for me because there's been the friction between the team and the coach on the system all year long and Cousins got one post touch against the Warriors um, in the loss the other night I mean, he didn't get the ball down there very much at all. Yeah. This this has been the constant theme with these guys. He wasn't down there again tonight. And what you're going to see as a result of this is they're going to continue to be this up-and-down team where sometimes they're overcoming the system limitations and sometimes they're not. And even if they've got a 25-point lead, they can just get rid of that lead because their offense has no rhyme or reason. And that's before you even get to the defensive side of the ball. So we talk about it every week. I'm almost tired of talking about it. I feel like it's <laughs> such an easy thing that we shouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. That somebody should go to these guys and say, hey, you know, fun little experiment you guys were running there, but it's over. Like, you know, we can't lose games anymore. Um, but that's this is the reality of the Kings. Until they make that change, it's going to be like this. There's a lot of different issues just like this that have to be really, really looked at with a with a tight analytical eye. I think uh, nearly 40 games into the season, we have a a sample size that is worthy of something deeper, a deeper look into the analytics of the Kings and what is working and what isn't working. So maybe that's something that that you'll see pop out on CSNCalifornia.com here in the next few days. It's it's definitely a topic of discussion. Um, and, and as far as I'm concerned, I, I'm watching Cousins do his thing, and I almost feel like at this point, it's too late. Like, you've given him too much freedom to shoot from anywhere that he wants. I don't like what he's been doing on the baseline the last couple of games, where he's been trying to do, like, a pseudo dream shake that's just not working at all. Dream shake from, like, 18 feet, which is just bad. Um, but I, I kind of get the feeling that you've given him free reign to to shoot just shoot just whatever you're going to do i mean he he put up 30 30 shots against what was it on on wednesday night he put up 30 shots in the king's loss and i was kind of okay with his 30 shots because i think down the stretch he was the only one who could score at will i didn't like that he took like three three pointers that didn't fall were really close and didn't fall that could have really changed the outcome of that game I would have liked to have seen him once again fake the three and go right down inside. But I think that by giving him so many options early in the season, now how do you rein him in? How do you how do you change the trajectory of his shot selection? And I don't know that you can. They don't practice getting the ball in the post. They don't have a game plan for getting the ball in the post. And something as simple as a post-entry pass is difficult for these guys. And... It's really, um, it's tough. You, you're going to have 
if Rondo, who's capable of putting the pass on the money, if he's the guy making the pass, his guy's doubling on Cousins already before the ball's even thrown. Marco Bellinelli doesn't have great handles, but he's getting the the respect. You know, the San Antonio Spurs were running this play. Danny Green can't hit the, the ocean, you know, shooting the ball right now, but they, he still gets respect. They clear out an entire side of the floor. And actually, Doug described this on on um, the night before tonight. Yeah. <laughs> What's today? I don't even know what today, today is. Today is Thursday on Wednesday Today's, night. So on Wednesday night, he, he talked about how they used to run this action with Peja to get an open post touch. Because if you went and you tried to slow down Peja as he sprints up to the top of um, to the three-point line to get the ball, then you have an opening to enter the ball into the post because the defender has now stopped paying attention to the big. And, yeah. and, and with the shooting gravity of a, of a shooter, you have all these post-entry angles and you have all this wide-open space. And you, the Spurs tonight had Tim Duncan and Danny Green running that. And they got guys, all the other three guys on the, the weak side of the floor. It's easy, but it gets complicated when you're doing this kind of like Cousins kind of neanders over to the block and he doesn't know what part of the block he wants to go to. If it's Rondo, there's the double team. If it's somebody else, there's some other issue. They just don't know how to do it. They don't. It's it's not a it's not a focus of theirs, so they're having trouble with it, and it's bad because every time they successfully get the ball into the post, something good happens, like literally clockwork. And against the Pelicans, they needed that kind of safety valve to be able to go down into the post against a guy like Omar Ashik, who's seen better days in the NBA. And after Omar Ashik, they, they didn't really have anybody that could stay with Cousins. No, and I mean, Ashik hasn't been good since fast times at Richmond High. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's true. I mean, back when he was in Chicago, he was an athletic big, and then everything's been downhill since there. And there's a number of examples. I mean, the Jazz tonight were running a small lineup, and he didn't get the ball in the post. And it's just kind of chaotic when – the first thing somebody from another city says is, why don't they post up to Marcus Cousins? I don't get it. And it's like, I don't know what to tell you, man. It, we're well past that part of the discussion, but it continues to happen. Yeah, I mean, he is he is averaging over, I think it's right around 33 points a game in the month of January. I think he's not the the problem on most nights. Although, although I, I'm going to call it out and, and and say that I believe that the reason why the Kings got off to such a bad start Wednesday night it had everything to do with Cousins and uh, he he looked slow and lethargic uh, he went one of seven from the field to start the game and of course he finish, finishes with like this crazy flurry but you know they were down 25 to start the fourth you're not going to come back in that game and and pick up a win against a very very marginal Pelicans team who has talent but really you know mix mix and match bad pieces and you know I really thought that that Cousins was a huge reason why the Kings were were down at any point in that game because they didn't have any business being down I thought he he forced shots early he took bad shots early and then I mean there was even a play where Aaron he didn't run back on offense let alone (laughs) defense he never crossed half court on offense this is this is a guy who early in the game when when things get tough for this team, they fold a little bit, and that's probably you know why tonight's win. You might find a silver lining in that they didn't fold, but that's why it's just so important for him to get easy buckets. And uh, another uh, reader, I forget, I think it was Nate Hubert, um, said he's good when, when, or I think it maybe it was um, 
uh, John on Twitter said, he's good when he makes a couple buckets inside. That's when everything else starts to unlock for him. He gets confidence in his jumper. He gets, you know, more aggressive. And to start the game, taking all of these lackadaisical shots out of the flow system where, you know, they're like an 18-footer off balance or, you know, maybe it's a three that he's not quite warmed up to take. None of that stuff makes sense when you could just go get him a couple foul shots. He sees the ball go through the hoop. You know, everything just kind of falls into place from there. It, it's an interesting point you bring up, the foul shot issue, because he has, I mean, notoriously he's he's one of the leaders in the league in foul shots. Um, but we've seen a reduction in that, especially over, you know, because he's shooting more three-point shots. Um, but all of a sudden we're seeing those numbers start to skyrocket again and teams kind of figure out that, that they really can't stop him. He, I mean, when he's rolling, I don't know that there's anyone in the league that can stop him consistently. So y- you really, you have to just foul him and, and hope for the best. And I think that's what we've seen over the last, again, the last two games that he shot, uh, what was it? 16 foul shots tonight, something like that. Um, right around that number, uh, and the night before, yeah, he was 12 of 17 on Thursday night, um, and even better the night before, uh, where he was, oh no, I'm wrong, he was only 3 of 4 from the, from the free throw line, look at that, me looking at bad stats, it was a couple of games earlier where he had a big, a big free throw night. I'll hit you with some other stats, Cousins is shooting 3.1 shots a game. This is before tonight from 20 to 24 feet and hitting 30% of them. So just 30%, a bad long two. Yep. And you add in the 15 to 19 foot range and altogether it's 5.3 attempts per game at roughly 32%. And only guys in the league that are shooting anywhere close to that volume are guys like Kevin Love, Mr. Midrange, Blake Griffin. And then the list gets thin and it's like not even close to the volume that you're seeing out of Cousins. So He's actually, to me, more comfortable in that range if he's got his feet set. And he's shooting a decent amount from three. So you don't want to get too... too it, it, the threes aren't the problem with him, for me, personally. I think if he's going to shoot a long shot, it might as well be from behind the three-point line. It's just this constant letting the defense off. the. They waste about 30 possessions per game with a poor offensive scheme that does not fit this team. <laughs> and it's... It's painful to watch because it's like tonight they should have won by 30. I yeah, mean, well, I don't know by 30, but maybe they should have won by 20. a lot. Yeah, I mean, they were up by 15 for most of the game. I think the high was like 17, maybe maybe not even. Yeah, it was right around 17. I, the Jazz looked like they'd never played basketball before tonight. Yeah, they, it's it's difficult because, I mean, every time that you want to look at stats for Cousins, you're caught off guard by like some of the, the anomalies. I mean, he shoots 40% on the road. He shoots 40% in losses. I mean, as DeMarcus Cousins goes, the Sacramento Kings go. That's that's kind of the way it goes. I mean, if, if you're going to win on a nightly basis, it really just depends on which guy you get. And right now, we keep hearing the word process. I mean, this is almost like the word pace from oh. the Pete D'Alessandro era, but process. And I get what... what George Carl is saying about like, look, trust a process. This is a process. We we're not going to turn from a you know a nine time lottery team to like a, a three seed overnight. But you have to you have to remember that we've added all these new pieces. We've had all these injuries, and 
each of these steps that we have to take, they're baby steps. And eventually, you know, we're, we're just now getting to the point where they've got like maybe half of the band working together. And what they're trying to do is figure out how to win late in games. And so you're going to lose some games. You're going to win some games. You're going to, you're going to do things that don't make any sense again and again. And, and I think part of it is because of the, the system issues that we've talked about, but also part of it is that like, again, George Carl is right. There is a process to becoming a winner in the NBA, just like any other sport. Well, except for the NFL, where you can go from out of the playoffs to Super Bowl champs and then back down to nothing. I mean, that's kind of the way the NFL works, but no other league really works that way where you go from nothing to superstar in like minutes. Yeah. I mean, I get where he's going with it, but a lot of times I feel like he's just managing expectations with the media and trying to say, hey, look, if we only win 30 games here, it's a process. And this team is a 40-win team. They've got high 40-win talent, but you know, if you just kind of adjust for my crazy predictions, they're, 40, they're a 40-win team, and they've just got so much talent. And to, to see it, I mean, this, is an ex- this system is not something that any other coach would run in the NBA, I don't think. Like, this is an experiment. It, it, and, it is experimental. I mean, he talked about that when he came on board last year. And that's the thing that I think if you're serious about making the playoffs, if you're serious about developing these players, you have a statute of limitations on your your experiment. And that's where I, I kind of said, you know, hey, at some point, Vlade is going to have to step in here and say, I'm taking ownership of this because the system clearly doesn't work. Uh, and it's both sides of the ball. And they are not going to change it unless somebody else tells them to. And so that goes up the flagpole. And that's fine. I mean, just just to be honest with you, I think they are having conversations. I don't think it's as easy as telling a a coach with 1,100 and whatever Mm -hmm. wins. It's not as easy to tell him that we don't want to see that anymore. And it's, it just it that is it is what it is. I mean, he's going to be stubborn. You're going to push back, and it, but if I'm them, I look at I look at George Carl and I said, okay, well, look, here's your record. You know, we can do we'll do it right now. The road to 33. <laughs> the road to 33. The Kings are on pace to win 33.6 games. I think we all know that that is a failure of a season for this team. It is a it's first of all, it's not a playoff season. Secondly. It's an embarrassment of a season. This team is better than 33 wins, 33, 34 wins. So what you have to do is you have to like present your argument and say, look, you've done it your way, and we get that you're you you, you know you're an all-time great coach, but at the same time, they're not yielding the victory totals that you know we, we would expect. I, I know I went through and looked at the schedule before they – they lost to the Pelicans, and I thought, huh, by looking at the schedule, the schedule lightens up tremendously. I thought they have an outside shot at another 27 to 29 wins. I think that was my math. And I and thought they can, it, un- they can unlock this at any time. I mean, I think you're right. I, that's the, yeah. the, I think the thing that frustrates Kings fans is they know it doesn't take a basketball genius to know that this this big man should be down there rebounding and scoring and putting the other team on his heels. And even like, you know, certain playing time decisions, it's, you know, Marco Bellinelli would have to like kill a guy on the court to get pulled off of it. And 
I do that, believe you're right. I, I think he would have to actually. I mean, tonight we saw Demarcus Cousins just give someone a concussion, like duh. But I think Marco would have to actually commit <laughs> like, some sort of like felony act, throw a trident through somebody, and <laughs> but like. It's like, okay, you're complaining about your team's defense, but you got a guy that's playing good defense and you bench him because he makes one mistake. And then, you know, Marco Bellinelli goes out there and shoots one for six or whatever and, you know, takes a bunch of wild shots. And Marco Bellinelli, by the way, on that list is a, what is his rating? It's terrible. He's 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 the number two worst defender in the NBA right now. It, by defensive what, rating. What Only stats ba- from who, though? I'm just ba- wondering. Basketball reference. From basketball, he's the number two worst defensive player in the league? Yeah. His rating is a 112. That was yesterday. I think things might have shook up a little bit here on my list, but... Nah. Well, it's not easy to just, like, skyrocket. Oh, up. no, he's still at the top of the list. Him and, and, amazingly, Chris Middleton. I would have had no idea. I haven't watched enough Bucks this year. Um, they're, well, they're, the, him and Nick, they're three-way tie for Nick, with Nick Young, Chris Middleton, and Marco Bellinelli. But then you got Darren Collison at 112, right behind him at number five. Ryan Anderson at number nine, for all those Ryan Anderson fans out there. Aaron Aflalo, who's going to be... Carl's camp is actually already pushing the Aaron Aflalo angle, and that's... I don't know if you want to talk about that or not. But, yeah, that list is not a list you want to be on. And um, Marco's got all sorts of leash with it. So... Is he making the right playing time decisions to make to bring it full circle? At some point in time, Willie Cauley Stein, Quincy AC, these are guys that are going to have to play more. Seth Curry's going to have to get in the game if Marco Bellinelli's not getting it done. Maybe give Ben a little bit more rope. I mean, stuff like that's pretty simple. Yeah, I'll point out that Seth Curry's defensive rating is a one twelve. It's it's right there too. Yeah, that whole Steph Curry's a good defender thing was just a motivational ploy. Seth Curry, you said Steph. Yeah. Oh, did I say Seth? Yeah, oh, I yeah. meant Seth. Yeah, yeah. So, and Quincy is uh, his offensive rating is a one thirty. His defensive rating is a one oh six. I mean, basically, he's he's, and he's, he's your next and MVP. I think he's got to stay in the rotation no matter what happens with Willie Cauley Stein. He's he's energy in a bottle, and he has a toughness that the Kings lack. And so, if there's not enough minutes, there's not. I mean, that's the issue that you have, especially. If you go small ball, small ball has not worked at all for this team. Uh, at least that's what advanced statistics say. Small ball is like, oh, that's not that's not good. So I, I'm gonna say that that like, you could play AC at the three a little bit. Yeah, but I think like what really works. But Omri Caspi has played so well, and so again, you're you're gonna rob Peter to pay Paul. And Omri Caspi's the one thing that Omri does that like nobody else on the team does is he runs without the he cuts without the ball to the hoop and it is I mean without that the Kings offense becomes so predictable. It's, yes, he is the one wild card, the one change up that you could go. Oh wow, he just did that. That's that's great. Nice nice job. Nice basketball play, Omri. I really like what Omri does on on almost a nightly basis. As a starter, he's just been absolutely phenomenal. That's I mean, again, he's averaging it's something like fifteen point seven point three three rebounds, and he's shooting fifty one percent from three as a starter. And I just I like what he brings. I mean, the guy's shooting fifty one percent on the season. He's shooting forty six point three percent from three. I mean, he's giving you everything you can possibly imagine. And I just, I really think that he's uh, a guy that 
you can't really steal that many minutes from at this point because he does some so many things well. But I also don't think that you can transition Rudy Gay or Omri Caspi to steal some minutes at the two. I don't think that works. Oh, no, so. no. It's a minutes crunch for sure. Yeah, I mean, and that's why, I mean, if Quincy Acey doesn't play, it, it's kind of the way it goes. I mean, Quincy Acey is not a... He's not on the top li- the top of your list of priorities, and he's not going to be, and there's no way to get around that. He's just not. And so I think he's going to have trouble here getting minutes. And if you really, really come out flat and you need someone to come out and give you like a three- or four-minute like punch, then you're going to see him. But, I mean, what we saw against uh, – who was it? I think it was against the Warriors – I mean, George Carl, midway through the second quarter, had already used five different guys at the shooting guard spot. I mean, how how does that make any sense? I mean, I know you're you're searching for something, but to start with Macklemore, go to you know Collison, Bellinelli, James Anderson, Seth Curry, and and you're like, wait, I'm not even I'm not even to halftime yet, and everyone has played. I mean, five guys playing three minutes apiece isn't going to work. No, so. it's it's a he he has a very short leash with his rookies and he's coaching like he's got a four year contract, which he does. And that but that doesn't it doesn't actually work. Eventually, they're going to be able to say, all right, we're not doing this anymore. Um, you do have to coach that way, though, don't you? You have to coach for I don't the think with this. I don't think with this team. No, I think, you know, people this is actually a good conversation because. Um, I we think only was, have bad conversations. Aaron. I know, right? I don't know what you're I, talking about. I, I think it was Matt Moore said, like, you know, come making fun of some Kings fans because they were exuberant about the eight seed. And I get what Matt's saying. But at the same time, this specific team needs this eight seed. They need it for so many different reasons. And just to prove to themselves that they can, to give themselves some positive momentum heading into a new arena, which yeah, that's all business stuff, but it's the difference in vibe will be night and day between the nine seed and the eight seed. I mean, unless they come roaring up into the nine seed and, and make it interesting and everybody gets, you know, a positive vibe out of that. But you, the, they need that boost, if anything, to keep DeMarcus Cousins happy. It's and validation. Know- it is. It's validation for a lot of a lot of people who put in a lot of time to try to save this team and and to go into that new building, you want to have some positive things going forward. I, yeah, I get it. I mean, it, the eight seed does mean a lot more to the Kings than it does to most people. But you know, I think everyone wants to be in the playoffs, don't they? Um, not some teams. Um, Philadelphia doesn't want to be in the playoffs. Oh, no, LA the Lakers does. don't. Yeah. The Lakers don't want to be in the playoffs. Well, I don't think the Pelicans do either. I mean, watching <sighs> what they're trying. I, that's why I'm surprised they haven't like started to cash out on some of these guys. I mean, I. I think there are a lot of teams that would look at Drew Holiday, and I think there are a lot of teams. I mean, I don't know what the market is for Ryan Anderson on a four-month rental or three-month rental, but I, you know, I they're in the same it. boat though with Anthony Davis. Now Anthony Davis just got a big deal, so you know. Well, the difference what a- is Anthony Davis is like three years younger than Cousins, so right. I mean, so you're not burning years of his of his prime. And the dude, like, has a giant sticker on him that says, Fragile. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah, and it's, it, this does all come back to Cousins. And 
if he if he's happy that for those four games prior to this this last week, four or five games, I can never remember how much he looked like a different. He looked like Mike Malone cousins. And that makes the Kings actually look scary. Like you don't want to play them in the first round scary. You're, you're probably not scared you're going to lose. But you don't want to deal with a guy that nobody on your team can cover. And that's DeMarcus Cousins when he's happy and engaged and the team is functioning well. That's the, that's the Kings that, that, that they can be. But we got to just see if the battle of egos can play out in the right way. You know, I, we were talking to Rondo the other night in the locker room and he, he said something funny. He's like, I don't know why everyone's so focused on the eight seed. He's like who wants to play the Warriors in the first round? <laughs> He's like, I don't want the eight seed. I want the seven seed or, or the six seed. He's like, why limit to uh, limit where you can go with this? He's like, you know, I, I would much rather, and it's like, well, San Antonio is there at seven. He's like, yeah, I mean, do you want seven either? He's like, I'd prefer that six seed. Give me someone that. Well, and they could get it. Yeah. Give me someone that I'm going to fight with. Give me someone that we're in a dog fight and we have a good time. And he's like, I'm not selling this short, but at the same time, it brings me back to a point that Willie Cauley Stein made when he was right, right when he was coming back from injury. He said, um, "He said it's really difficult to tell somebody they're doing wrong when you are also doing wrong on something different, like all the time." He's like, and that's kind of where we're at as a team. Like, we all make like silly mistakes all the time so it's really hard for someone else to say he's like like god look i'm the rookie i can't say hey stop doing that you know that's not gonna fly he's like but even the big guys on this team they all have their flaws and you know how do you how do you lead when you're not doing what you have to do as well and i think that really comes down to some of the issues that we're seeing that pop up with with rondo it's like look the Kings defense is so incredibly porous because Rondo isn't staying in front of his man. I mean, you could even say that DeMarcus Cousins has gotten foul trouble multiple times this season because Rondo just releases his man right to the basket and puts Cousins in a bad situation to either step in and help out or or get the heck out of the way and, and look like a coward, and Cousins doesn't play that way. So, you know, it, it's one of those things that this team has to work through not to get back to process, but it is. I mean, they have to work through these issues like this, even where it's a matter of one leader not doing, not carrying his his share of the weight on one end of the ball, and that's just not going to work out. I mean, this is, Steve Nash had like a weird, a weird like get out of jail free, get out of defense free card. Outside of that, no one else gets that. Yeah, and and I mean, this tape is not friendly to Rondo. I tried to vine a couple of these things so people could actually see it because it's hard to watch within the flow of a game. A lot of people don't have access or care to go look back at tape. I mean, it's bad. And that's that's got to, I mean, if he's hurt, you got to limit his minutes. And if he's not hurt, you got to figure out why, you know, what what's going on with that. Um, but one thing you can do when you've got younger players and a team that's not, you know, the San Antonio Spurs, um, to put it, you know, kindly in terms of basketball IQ and their decision making and what they're doing on a nightly basis is you simplify it for them. You know, stop trying to recreate, you know, this crazy offense that's based on instinct and intuition. And yeah, yeah, Rondo can Rajon Rondo can handle that. You know, he's got that instinct and intuition. But how many of the other guys have that to be able to read and react on almost like a it's a different triangle system. 
it's complicated. You, it takes players years to learn. And these guys don't have years. They need to put positive steps one in front of the other until they start to get that mojo that that they believe that they can win every single night and that play hard on the defensive end as a result of having success on the offensive end. I know that's not the way it's supposed to be, but that's the way NBA players are. And on defense, simplify it there too. Just make it so easy for these guys that if it's not working at that point, then you can start tweaking it. Yeah, I get I get your point there. I and I'll point out something like Jason Thompson hasn't played at all for the Golden State Warriors at all. I mean, he started last night uh, on Wednesday night, and of course the the Warriors lost. Um, and I, I mentioned that to somebody the other night. Hey, Jason Thompson's starting. And they said, hey, like, look, it, it's really not Jason Thompson's fault that he's not playing any minutes. It's the fact that he doesn't know the offense at all. And it's such a complex offense that even half of the team last season had no idea. They were still running basic, basic sets in the offense. And now this year, that's why you're seeing like this grand takeoff because they're able to integrate more and more and more into the system. But the key is that you have to have continuity in players and you have to have everybody, you know, playing together for long periods of time for it to work. And the Kings haven't had that, but really my point is that, you know, this isn't, it's not simple. None of these offenses are simple and they're all totally different. The, what the Warriors are running because of their, their, you know, talent on the team and what the Kings are running is completely different stuff but there are basic saying basic things that the Kings have to do better. Number one, pick and roll defense. Uh, number two, they have to defend the three. And I mean, those are things that every team in the league is looking at Sacramento and saying, we're going to hoist 30 to 35 shots against the Kings from behind the arc because they won't defend us. And even a bad 40% night from three is still way better than almost any other shot on the court. Yeah, and if if Utah doesn't go six of thirty four for seventeen percent from deep, it's a whole different podcast. We would probably have done this one tomorrow, knowing that the carnage that was ensuing in Sacramento, and and, and try not to feed into that. But the yeah, uh, it, it's the three point and pick and roll defense has to be improved. And then you got this guy; he's about two hundred eighty pounds can finish with both hands you just stick him in the middle of that purple place that's called the paint hand him the ball let him go to work there it is the simple ingredients to winning for the sacramento kings all right so i'm going to get to one last thing that i think is is important and that is the development of demarcus cousins off the court and we keep talking about this but i'm seeing major 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 growth uh he he didn't fly off the handle last night when the Kings lost a bad one, he didn't take the uh, the win tonight in Utah. He didn't take this one particularly well. He was uh, he was a bit annoyed with the fact that they kept letting Utah back in the game. But I'm seeing a different player. I'm seeing a different personality off the court, and uh, it's actually nice. I mean, he walked by me yesterday and he said, "Hey, James." I'm like, "Yeah, what's up, man?" He's like, "Go get your headband." I'm like, "I'm not wearing your headband, dude." I'm not. I'm not wearing a boogie for for All Star Game headband. You don't want to. You don't want a sweat drenched headband. Yeah. No, I wasn't getting that one. I was gonna get one in a little piece of plastic bag that you know. It was. He wanted me to go and promote. You know the Demarcus Cousins All Star Game bid. Which Kings fans, I have to admit, you should be ashamed of yourself 
Well, there's these guys in, from Turkey that I think are working the system. Somebody tipped me off to that. That's the only way that, that Zaza Pachulia and Ennis Cantor could be winning. Well, I mean, Cantor is right on Cousins' tail. The, but I also think it might be something, it might have something to do with the fact that when you tweet and you, you send out those like all-star game votes, I, I don't know that everyone is doing the right name. So I don't know if it has to be like, DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins. Cousins. <laughs> so, like, when you say when uh, Jalen Rose does this whole vote for Boogie thing, I don't know that he gets votes for a vote for Boogie. You know what I'm it's, saying? It's it's such a weird thing, the All Star. And I'm fine. Actually, with it's NBA. not weird. It's stupid. It's I could stupid, I could Aaron. get behind stupid. And if somebody said they didn't care, I'm fine with it either way. It is stupid, and I don't care. But well, Cantor has no way to make the playoffs. I mean, to make the the All Star game. I mean, there's no way he's going to pass the two guys at the top, which means he has no chance to make these these turkey dudes. They got it on a string, man. They've got so many votes cranking out. It's basically Sacramento versus Turkey. You know, Sacramento, figure it out. Get it. Get off your butts. You know what? If they vote this guy in the all star game, if those guys in Turkey have figured out a way to get uh, Enos Cantor and and Zaza Pachulia into the all star game. They probably should have like dropped that really quickly and tried to win Powerball, because you're looking at about the same odds here. I mean, it's just not going to happen. You know what happened to the vaunted Sacramento Kings social media scene? What happened? Yeah, where are you, Sacramento Kings media? Uh, I mean, not media, Sacramento Kings. Uh, the, <laughs> where are you, the Twitter, Dave? Twitter posse. Where's it? <laughs> the, the Twitter uh, Costa Nostra. In Sacramento, where are you? DeMarcus Cousins needs you. Yeah, I didn't think we'd be doing a DeMarcus. My point was that DeMarcus has been a kinder, gentler, uh, more communicative. We have actually shared conversations off the record and uh, actually not had a bad time with each other as far as like reporter and guy who hates to be reported on. Uh, We've we've had... I'll yeah. say this, I've noticed it as well, and I've been putting the feelers out, trying to figure out, was there some seminal moment where it was like, the, the, he got it, because for that full week, he was great, and then the the Pelicans game was iffy, I thought he had his moments on the court, but you know what, LeBron James has those moments, and I'm not saying they're the same, or that, that Boogie should have the same sort of uh, leeway that LeBron has, he shouldn't. Maybe they but, should just go bowling, uh, maybe. I, something happened there and I've been telling folks, I said it on my podcast. I said it on a couple radio shows. It's just like, it's different. It's just different. And hearing stuff like that from you just reaffirms what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing. And I, I think that's what you're looking for with this guy. Cause it'd be crazy to trade him. And you, you just have a player that you can build a franchise around if it all goes right. And so you want to hear stuff like that. It's good news. There was a brief, very brief window where I thought things were going a different direction. It was towards the end of December. I thought to myself, ooh, the vibe is different. Maybe DeMarcus Cousins isn't going to stick around Sacramento. And I don't know what happened. I mean, you're you're saying the same thing I am, that we're, we're kind of like at a loss for how the corner was turned. But it's clear. Something is different. I mean, I even mentioned it to his agent last night. He was in the building and I said, hey, your dude's been a lot easier to deal with. He goes, really? I said, yes, much, much easier. And that's good because, I mean, look, I, 
you want positive things for the guy. I mean, I don't I don't think anyone wishes ill upon him. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there. Chris Paul probably wishes ill upon him. But, Blake Griffin might yeah, wish. Yeah, Blake Griffin. Yeah. I don't know. It's good to see. And I just know that all of us listening and talking here are, you know, we were all 25 years old once and young and dumb. And it, you just, these guys have so much pressure. They're under a microscope. I mean, if, living with a guy that was six foot 10, 280 in, in college, a UFC fighter, I know that there's even a challenge with just being a large human being. Like that makes things way different for you. So, you know, you don't want to excuse the behaviors, but at the same time, you, you do got to give them a little bit of slack and realize that they're young and that they can change. And hopefully that's what we're seeing here with the Marcus. All right. So, Aaron, we're not going to drag this on too much longer. Uh, a couple of things. I want to say thank you to Mr. Costa Kufis for coming on the podcast. So we've had Quincy AC, Seth Curry, Costa Kufis. We're getting... We're getting deeper into the rotation. You see this? We're we're building our way towards the road, the top of the rotation. Uh, somehow, some way, uh, even if I've got to get him in a headlock and, and drag him towards a microphone, I'll some somehow get Demarcus Cousins on the uh, CSN Kings Insider podcast. Hopefully, this season. Uh, that's that's a personal goal. I'm just gonna mark it down for you guys. We'll get we'll get Boogie on here for you. Um, he's not just gonna do J- Jalen Rose's funky show, and that's it. Um, so that's one thing, uh, but Costa, he's so different off the court people than he is, uh, with a camera in front of him when he is, when he's got a camera on him, he speaks in cliches and I'm speaking of Costa Kufis and he really is like almost media trained when you get him off the record. He's an absolute hoot. Uh, it's one movie line after another, after another, and it's just wild, and he's a good dude, and he loves to build Legos. Um, so that's that's covered. I don't know. Aaron, let's get to our final thoughts. What are your final thoughts? I would like to thank the gentleman that made the Michael Malone tribute video. I, I'm sitting there in a meeting, and I just start crying, laughing. And then I get out of the meeting, and I'm driving home, and I shouldn't have been looking at my phone, but I had to watch it again. And it is the funniest video I've seen in a long time set to baby come back. Oh it, man, I'm going to have it, to watch it. Oh, you, you, you got to check it out. It is the greatest. Okay. So I, I think I'm going to do a couple of final thoughts here, which I don't always do like specifically, but um, number one, texting back and forth with Michael Malone over the last couple of days, huge win for them. Congrats to Michael Malone for a tremendous victory in, uh, over the Golden State Warriors. That was fun. Uh, number two, I he's doing much better, but I want Kings fans to know that Keith Smart has had uh, some some cancer issues, and he's fighting through them. And his prognosis is good. But Keith Smart is a wonderful man, and Kings fans who do pray should be praying for Keith Smart, just that he gets better quickly. Uh, number three, Paul Westfall has officially retired from the NBA coaching ranks after Lionel Hollins was fired with the Brooklyn Nets this last week. Uh, so good luck to Mr. Westfall and all of his next endeavors. Lots of former Sacramento Kings uh, coaches in the news over the last few days. And of course, uh, you know, Aaron, we're pop culture guys too. It's been a rough week, man. Rough oh, week. Yeah, just the whole David Bowie thing. I mean... Oh, uh, not, not a, Alan I'm not Rickman? A, oh. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not a huge 
you know, movie or music guy, but both of those guys are just like icons on top of icons. I think Bowie more than Rickman, but like Bowie just owned it. Like he was the man. And so, yeah. Yeah. Bad news, but, um, you know, hopefully they're in a better place and, you know, and and definitely thoughts and prayers to Keith Smart. Lord knows I gave that guy more grief than probably I should have, but um, by all accounts, just a really, really good guy off the court, on the court, et cetera. We always had a good relationship until right at the very end when he got mad at me for writing something and he got mad at me for having quotes from, from two of his star players. But besides that, we were always... We are always good. So nothing but uh, good thoughts for Key Smart. He's a, like I, I've said this a million times on the old Cowbell Kingdom podcast, uh, one of the, uh, just a great man. He's, Key Smart is a very, very, very good man. And uh, you don't want anything, want to have any ill wishes towards him at all. All right. So I, that was a long final thoughts. Do you have any final, final thoughts, Aaron Bruski? No, but I might have some final, final, final thoughts if you if you give me some extra air time here. That's right. All right, so that is going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. We will be back next week. Make sure to get on iTunes and give us a recommendation or a like or whatever the heck they do there. Uh, get on our Facebook pages. Get on our Twitter handles and and give us follows and likes and all those things uh we will be back next week we will have another guest we will have much more king's news to talk about although i think we only have two games between now and then both la teams so for aaron bruski i am james ham you guys have a good week 